Hello and welcome to another episode of Overdrinkers, the Story Screen Presents podcast where we get drunk and talk about a movie or movies. Or don't get drunk, but it's funner when we do. I'm your host, Mike Burge. I host the podcast. If you've listened to other ones, you know that it's me. It me right now, this voice. This is what I'm going to sound like for the rest of the episode when you listen to it. So when you hear this voice talking a little too fast, perhaps, and really going off on crazy tangents about Linkin Park and Smash Mouth, that's me. <laughs> and today I am joined by the absolutely lovely, insanely sexy, gorgeous Joe Serta. Hello. I knew, I knew that. <laughs> you I was like, I hope he says me. Yes. <laughs> and uh, the uh, absolute love of my life, can't get enough. Just uh, like just need to just uh, roll them up in like a little ball and just put them in my pocket and keep them forever. Alexander Flores. I'd rather be rolled up in a ball and be put in your mouth. Yeah, Ooh. well, <laughs> you're my ball at this point, so I can do whatever I want with you. Yes, sir. And of course, the extraordinary, amazing <sighs> Diana Demura. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> she is very lovely. Um, and uh, today, guys, we're getting together on this episode of Overdrinkers, and we are going to be talking about the 2017 flick, uh, The Big Sick, uh, directed by Michael Showalter, written by uh, Kamal Nanjiani and Emily V. Gordon, uh, based on their, how they met uh, with a little bit of flourishes and some Ray Romano for oomph. And Holly Hunter for oomph. Uh, some we, we will get there, she trust kills me. kills it. Um, and before we move on, as we always like to do in Overdrinkers, we are having a themed beverage, and I figured uh, it burns. It'd be pretty good to get some uh, whiskey in general in there because that's what Holly Hunter goes for in <laughs> the Big Six. So everybody's got like different versions of what they wanted. So everybody, cheers to you guys! Cheers! Cheers! cheers. cheers. Yes! 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 <sighs> it does burn, <laughs> but it's good. Uh, so before we get going on on this, this is actually a really special episode because this is uh, like the second or first part of a two-parter that we're doing with a uh, collaboration uh, with another uh, little friendly podcast that's out there. Uh, Joe and Alex are the hosts of uh, the podcast uh, Two Bald Men and Friends. Yes, sir. And you guys want to tell our listeners a little bit about that and uh, plug that shit? Yes, please. Um, so we host Two Bald Men and Friend. It's the two of us and usually a, a third or sometimes a third and a fourth friend um, discussing a movie or a television show and then using that to discuss some sort of broader main topic. So, like, for example, we talked about the movie Coco to talk about diversity in film. Yeah. We've also talked about things like Black Mirror and then we talk about the advances of technology today Sweet. and how that's going to affect us. Both really good episodes, too. I'm a heavy listener, guys. Oh. <laughs> uh, and let me tell you, when I got that text from you, and like, hey, the podcast's great. I was like, oh, my gosh, Mike thinks my podcast is Oh, so stop good. it. <laughs> you were the first podcast I was on. Right, yeah. Uh, Joe was on um, the real page turner that I hosted uh, for um, Jurassic Park. Yes. And your uh, lovely, lovely girlfriend, Ramona, yes. was on the first ever, ever uh, real page turner for Carrie. Mm -hmm. Ooh, um, I like that episode. That's very. Both of them are very <laughs> good episodes. Those are really good books to start out on. And um, where can everybody find you guys with your podcast? We're most prevalent on Instagram. You can find us at two bald, two underscore bald men. Yeah. Um, and you can find our sources on Apple Podcast and SoundCloud. 
Awesome. Perfect. And I highly recommend anybody that listens to this podcast, definitely jump over there and give their episodes a listen. You guys have an amazing uh, Deadpool and MPAA rating episode that I really liked because as a personal MPAA geek, I was like, this is a lot of fun. Like, I love the fact that you guys brought up like the PG-13, like Steven Spielberg invented that for uh, Temple of Doom because people were like, this is fucked up. Like, you can't (laughs) show this to kids. Oh, boy. And he's like, but then who am I going to sell my toys to? Exactly. Yeah. (laughs) And uh, I also really liked your uh, cinematic universes and like using Marvel and DC as kind of like this thing where it's like, mm-hmm. who's getting it right kind of stuff. Like tons of really good stuff over there. I think you guys are up to, at the time of this recording, I think you're at like, what, 15, 16 episodes? Uh, 20. Yeah, we're at 20 You're at 20 right now? now. Yeah, yeah. So I got to catch up. Um, <laughs> I do too. <laughs> uh, nothing I, like i love having a podcast with people that i know that i can listen to that i'm not on right which is why i try i'm trying to like back away from some of the podcast shows As that we have I. on story screen <laughs> presents i'm like i'd really like an episode where everybody is respecting each other's boundaries and time to talk i'd like to not listen to mike on a podcast that i listen to to and from work yeah no offense yeah, me too no yeah. me too um <laughs> But uh, that's not going to happen today, uh, <laughs> dear listener. Um, we're going to be talking about the big sick. And so uh, this was um, uh, Joe and Alex's idea. Like you guys, you, you had said before that this was an idea that you had to mm-hmm. talk about the big sick on your show as far as like using like your kind of cultural reference and how you how you guys do over there and talk about like representation in film and also like a differing like uh, how couples and marriage works in different cultures and stuff like that. And we decided to kind of bring it over here because uh, we're also partnering up and we just, we recorded an episode on um, the perks of being a wallflower mm-hmm. and a uh, book to film adaptation, which was a lot of fun. Yeah. So you story screen fans can dip your toe and listen to uh, an episode with your favorite story screen hosts. <laughs> yeah. Me and Diana. Yes. <laughs> we are the favorites. Don't tell that entire... to Jack and <laughs> no, don't, don't, don't tell that to them. Um, Just put a beep over it. <laughs> I can mark that down somewhere. Yeah, yeah. yeah totally. Uh, so The Big Sick. Uh, one of my earlier favorite movies of the year last year, which, as most of our listeners know, I'm constantly talking about how amazing of a year 2017 was, as well as 2016. We got mm-hmm. some great movies last year. And uh, this movie came out fairly early. This movie was out in like yeah. February, March of last year. And this was a movie that I saw and I was like, oh, that's going on my my top 10, obviously. And little did I know that we were about to get so <laughs> yeah. much stuff in the latter half of the year. That didn't even end up on your list, right? It wasn't on my list. It was one of my it was one of my honorable mentions that I put on there, right. of which I put like forty right. because like yeah. there were so yeah. many good movies. Like, how, what, which one do you leave out? Like, they were yeah. also so good. I had to kill some real dark, and I did a top eighteen or oh, wow. top you did seventeen. Se- I did top seventeen of yeah. twenty seventeen. That was my mm. thing. Ugh, easy way. But uh, <laughs> me and D saw it together. With my fam, mm-hmm. yeah, with my uh, my sisters and my cousin and her husband. It was a good one, yeah. Went to Jacob Burns, which is a fun theater. Um, I ended up writing an article about it for StoryScreenBeacon.com, which you can check out. Definitely check want. that article yeah. out. That was a really um, good one. Oh, thanks. Of oh, course. Yeah. Well, all right. Damn but, uh, yeah, no, for representation, I mean, I, I really like the fact that, you know, it's hard with a lot of, like, um, dating movies where they're told from one person's perspective whether it's male or female because it's kind of like one-sided in that sense i kind of like in this instance that even though the girlfriend is 
MIA. She's literally mm-hmm. in a coma for most of the movie. Mm-hmm. Once you get her back, you do get that wake up call of like, oh, hey, now you think this is going to happen, but I'm still pissed off about what happened before I went in the coma. Right. So yeah. I do kind of enjoy that. Like, I, I like that aspect of it being a little bit from both sides of the story, which you mm-hmm. don't usually get. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, um, I remember that being not a rug pull because like I figured something like that was going to happen. But when he's like, no, we're cool now. Like your parents and I are like best friends. Totally. I understand where you're coming from. Right. I've had time to process. And she's like, I but haven't. I haven't. Totally. <laughs> All yeah. that stuff happened while I was in a coma. Like what made you think that we yeah. were cool? Right. Because it's if this was like some cheesy romantic yeah. exactly. comedy, then she'd wake up and they'd be like, we're getting married. You know, like Yeah, she would have woken up and the movie would be over. Right. Totally. <laughs> Totally. Yeah. And uh, as we're going along, uh, for those that don't know or are unfamiliar with The Big Sick and are listening to this episode because they're maniacs, uh, (laughs) The Big Sick is about, I mean, like, Alex, you want to explain what The Big Sick is, like, roughly about? Yeah, sure. So this boy and girl classic story start liking each other. Um, Both don't think it's a good idea. Um, Emily is going to college and she's trying to figure out like what she's going to do with her life. Kamal is constantly getting um, proposed to like arranged marriages because his family is trying to get him to maintain that Indian culture. Right. Um, And so they both sort of recognize for different reasons that it's not the best idea and they end up falling in love. And they break up because Emily finds this box of pictures of basically candidates for his marriage and she starts realizing how unlikely it'll actually be that they'll end up together and just which the... which he's also like man maybe that is true like how am i going to do this exactly yeah, yeah. and cuz and he specifically says like if i ever have to choose between you and my family obviously i'm going to choose my family and she is heartbroken and right around that time she gets sick and the doctors put her into a coma. Yeah, medically induced a coma. Medically induced coma, yep. which is better than a regular coma. Right. But still not the best. Yeah, <laughs> so she's that still they not can, doing well. Still a coma. So that they can fight off an infection. And then over the course of her coma, he realizes more and more how important she is to him. Right. And starts figuring out that maybe he can have both in as long as he's willing to fight for both. Mm-hmm. Right. While also at the same time forming a relationship with uh, uh, her parents, her parents, parents and, and also pursuing his dream of becoming a stand-up pursuing comedian. his dream of becoming a stand-up comedian and uh, the uh, really facing the facts of the relationship that he has with his parents and their and his their, parents are they're Pakistanian they're not Indian they're, yeah they're Pakistani no absolutely oh, no, fine okay. yep, yep, I, I gonna, just know some people burn us for that yeah I was gonna, I was going to correct you in a bit I just didn't want to interrupt you it's absolutely fine though. Uh, yeah, the, the, and, the, and the, the, the Muslim heritage of his family and him kind of being like, well, I don't know what I believe. I don't necessarily right. disagree Like with knowing you. his only living relative that married a white woman everyone else stopped talking to. Right. right. <laughs> and he's like, uh, yeah, we don't talk to them anymore. Right. So, <laughs> and, and the movie is based on the actual events of Kamal Nanjiani's life. Yeah. Of meeting his wife, Emily Gordon. His actual Gordon, wife, yeah. Mm-hmm, and all of this more or less happened and it's uh it's played by better looking parents probably better looking parents and when uh, you get ray romano oh yeah i mean ray romano is just like the secret weapon of hollywood that nobody's ever using yeah and it's like you get him into something and the guy is just the funniest thing 
in the world. Like you know, him telling that giraffe joke. Yeah. That stupid giraffe joke, and it's just so good. They have a gag reel on the Blu-ray of like all like the the improv like comedy bits that Ray Romano and Helen Hunt oh, bounce yeah. off of each other, and it is gold because it's essentially just Ray Romano trying to act like a moron that doesn't know how to how to tell a joke, but Ray Romano is one of the funniest people in the world, so right. he knows like how to make a bad joke funny because of the way he's telling it. <laughs> yeah. He's got some really good ones in there, uh, besides the giraffe one, which I don't know why they only use the giraffe one. They're, they're, definitely check it out. Yeah, and, I have to. And uh, and Helen Hunt is also absolutely amazing in it, because Helen Hunt is... Holly Hunter. Holly Hunter. I, I keep saying Helen Hunt. I always get it confused. F minus. I'm so sorry. It's, <laughs> it's the HH. It's the alliteration. It's not the same, though. No, Holly Hunter. Holly uh, Hunter is definitely scarier and a little twangier than... <laughs> And just overall better. And <laughs> that's right. We're coming for you. Yeah. <laughs> but, man, Helen Hunt. Helen Hunt hasn't done anything I've been interested in since uh, What Women Want. She's in that new uh, movie with the the volleyball team, where she's a coach and one Ooh. of them dies or something. Classic. That's not, not Holly a, Hunter. Uh, oh, you're just the worst. No, I'm serious. <laughs> like I'm getting really confused. Here. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Uh, but no, yes, uh, Holly Hunter, right? Yeah. Um, it's phenomenal in the movie. Uh, uh, most people know her probably what, from Raising Arizona. Raising Arizona is a biggie. She's the mom in The Incredibles, which is like one of the best cast voice casting Pixar's ever done oh, yeah. in a long line. I'd say the only voice casting in Pixar that even comes close to being that good would be uh, Finding Nemo, the dad. Um, oh, I don't know his name, but he, Albert Brooks. He, yeah. As the oh, dad, because he's, uh, he's just so like not Ellen DeGeneres. He's just so manic all the time. <laughs> yeah. um, but uh, as you guys, you know, we were talking about a little off off mic about improv and mm-hmm. comedy and liking to do those fun things. And I kind of mentioned Mike Birbiglia to you guys. You know, yeah. I like the. What do you guys think about the plot of, you know, Kamal's character trying to do stand up and like break into that? Because that's almost as big a deal to tell his family. As this right. white girlfriend, yeah. which is kind of a funny thing for that to be a big deal. Yeah. I loved seeing the progression of his comedy and him figuring out what works for him because right. different people saying the same jokes won't work. Right. And he needs to find out what's true to him, but still funny to audience. And and I loved him getting into that. Yeah, I really enjoyed um <clears throat> his interactions with the other comedians and like totally he's seeing his friends like get opportunities and then at one point um Bo Burnham and I forget who the other um actor is but they're like hey man we're gonna move to this city I think New York City yeah New York I forgot if they were in New York or LA but they're like we're gonna move to New York we're gonna be writers we're gonna be the stand-up scenes better oh yeah 85 from SNL is one of them yes Yeah, yeah yeah and um he has to say, oh, I have to turn down this opportunity because of uh, my family and Emily. Right. And it's, that's definitely a real struggle of like, oh, like, which do I value more? And him having to deal with that. And kind of taking mm-hmm. off on your own to take your chance. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Yeah, it was definitely like, Blah. do I want to burn this bridge for a gamble? Like, I don't know if I want to roll these dice. Right. Are your parents going to talk to you once you're far away? <laughs> and then mm-hmm. I... You know, not to jump too far ahead, but like his parents saying like, okay, but 
call us when you get there. Like, even <laughs> yeah. though they're like, we're never going to talk to you again. But wait, let us know that you got there. Okay. <laughs> yeah. And you're like, ah, oh, yeah, they yeah. do love you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so good. And uh, like, I'd say like, uh, like the movie's funny. The movie's sweet. It's got really great performances. Not from Helen Hunt. And uh, from Holly Hunt. No, I was making oh, I the joke that oh, Helen yeah. Hunt is oh, not in the right. movie. Yeah. I fixed it, okay? It's hard to know sometimes. I know. I don't even know if that's I what I meant what either. Yeah. Um, but what I really like about the movie is like the level of heart that this thing has in all their side stories. Because it's like the movie is not just about uh, this dude, Kamel, trying to become a stand-up comedian and it's not just about this dude Kamel falling in love with this girl Emily and it's not just about this girl Emily you know reconciling with uh, like a broken marriage that happened to her and maybe wanting to push this new guy away that she feels really strongly about and it's not just about family and relationships and it's about all these things at once and it balances them so well with really good laughs a very decent Bo Burnham performance, which oh, was yeah. surprising to me because, <laughs> because I find the man annoying. <gasps> Bo Jack oh, no. Horseman. Sorry, I'm oh. very sorry. Oh. I'm very sorry. Oh. He's he's hit or miss with me he at, all, been so at great. all times. <laughs> but he, he's on fire in this, and I'm really excited about his new movie that's coming out this year, Eighth Grade. Eighth Grade. Yeah. I cannot wait for that. I've always thought that A trailer for I'm that not, looks awesome. I'm not. I'm not like and painful. <laughs> you know how you have to stretch, do certain stretches before you do certain exercises so you can get the most out of the exercise Mm -hmm. i've always felt like i've like metaphorically never been stretching the correct way before i take in bo burnham's content (laughs) that i'm not putting my mindset in the right place where it needs to be i can see that i'm maybe taking him a little too seriously when he's being a complete goofball and sometimes I'm like, well, where's the goofball when he's being really seriously? I'm just not on the level. So, with like, him. when he has an existential crisis in front of a giant audience, you're not ready for that, right? I, I'm like, <laughs> well, where's where's this goofiness, buddy? I thought yeah. you just made me do ha-has over on the keyboard. <laughs> What's this? And and that's that's really good stand-up. Like that's turning it almost into a one-man show, which is some of the best stand-ups we've had in, in recent time. Has been like, it's. I mean, Mike Birbiglia. Again, uh, mm-hmm. his um, sleepwalk with me is essentially a one man show kind of kind of deal. It is. And uh, what yeah. was the one, um, the prom king, uh, homecoming guy? Which one are you talking about? Uh, Spider Man. No, he made it last year. That's Spider Man. The yes. dude who's a correspondent on the Daily Show, and he made like a stand up. Oh, I love that guy. I can't remember his name right now. Yeah, homecoming king. Homecoming king uh, was the name of it. Get yeah. it for you. Hold yeah, on. You get it. Extended brain. Josh. What's his name? Jordan Kleppers? No, him? no, no. It's like... Um, That's what we're trying to figure out, Jeff. <laughs> yeah, we're trying to... She's just like... Oh, sorry. I haven't she's been going to have to look it up because I can't remember his name and I don't want to mispronounce Hassan it. Hassan Minhaj. Hassan Minhaj. He's awesome. And it's a great stand-up. Have you guys That's seen it? That's a really it? good stand-up. Really good. It's essentially like one man show is where he like uses a screen behind him to show oh, yeah. like text messages and Facebook messages of the events that he's like telling the story about. John, John Leguizamo has um, a lot of one man shows oh, where he I love has him. PowerPoints Absolutely. as well. I've seen him a couple of times. He's fantastic. I saw him once live, um, Latin History for Morons. So good. And he uses a chalkboard as like his big visual. And he's That's a, a teacher. That's a great name and for a show. <laughs> <laughs> and it's really good. It's he's great. fantastic because he's, he's kind of manic. He so, is. Oh man, so good. I love John Leguizamo. <laughs> but going back to like all of those layers of the story. Exactly. Um, I definitely also see this aspect of every individual character, character is multidimensional. Mm-hmm. And even the girl, 
he goes on a date with um this actress who's also in well it's a character but the actress is in um crazy ex-girlfriend um and he goes on a date with her and at the end of it is like i didn't really feel it and then like she has her sort of breakdown and yelling at him of you're really selfish for doing this and I have this going on with my life and it's not all about you. Right. And you see that she has so much going on in her life as well. She She's wasn't great. She wasn't just a character for him. Like yeah. she was mm-hmm. her own character. Yeah. I like uh, one of the negative things that gets thrown at this movie is that, you know, one of the representation positives that it's doing is it's taking like like the like Southeast Asian male that is usually like like desexualized like oh, they're always presented as like nerdy or like can't get the girl or something like that like we're introduced to this dude that's like he fucks <laughs> like he he he's got some pretty fun friends mm-hmm. uh, he's outspoken uh, he and he like you know he still respects his family but he doesn't necessarily follow the traditions quote unquote that right. he's meant to he goes into the basement and puts on his phone like, yeah. a timer for how long he has, he's supposed to be praying for, mm-hmm. which they also do in a Master of None with Aziz and Zari. Right, yeah, and which I would say is like in in the Big Sick, I would say it's great writing if it wasn't for the fact that like I'm pretty sure Kamal Nanjiani did that, really, <laughs> yeah. and it's just like he's able to structure it into this where you're like, that's really funny to observe where yeah. it's like I think that when he was doing it I'm sure he was kind of like I have to sit down here in this basement for five minutes that my family thinks that I'm praying to a god that they believe in that I'm actually not necessarily sure whether or not I think he's real because I don't know it like that's an <laughs> existential thing yeah and yeah. they make it a joke where it's like oh he watches like the video where the guy completely breaks his tailbone by trying to cannonball into a frozen pool <laughs> um I think he uh did such a great job with the screenplay he and Emily um, and then all the actors nailed it because on paper, if you were to pitch this movie, it sounds like doesn't, really bonkers. Yeah, it it's doesn't like, sound like yeah, it would be a true story. It's stand-up <laughs> comedian. Uh, his girlfriend gets into a coma right after a big fight. And then he makes friends with her parents. And then like everything's okay a little bit afterwards. And the execs are like, and this is a comedy? Yes. <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, like, a romantic know. comedy. <laughs> this is a, it's actually really funny. How this how this movie finally got made was back in 2012, uh, Kamel Nanjiani and Judd Apatow were like on a podcast together. Oh, yeah. And they were like, they became like, you know, friends in the way that Judd Apatow becomes Chummy. friends with <laughs> comedians. Like, right. you know, it's like, well, 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 who are you? And he... Kamel Nanjiani started writing the script. Emily was giving him, real life Emily was giving him notes to the point where he was like, you should just write this with me. Right. And that's when like it really launched off. Judd Apatow was constantly giving them notes. And then eventually Judd Apatow like halfingly jokes, like Kamel Nanjiani got famous enough to be able to Mm. make a movie where he's the star. Right. And they were like, all right. Because that's a big deal. Yeah, absolutely. That it's not your average white man from a business from a business point of view it's like this is if you're gonna pump the amount of money it takes to make a movie like this which i'd imagine this movie probably had at least a 20 million dollar budget yeah it's like you need to you need to be able to compensate for that and tell investors like we've got this dude he's not what most main characters in rom-coms look like and rom-coms in america have pretty much been like laid to the wayside in the past couple years like people are kind of getting sick of them and so to have one that's like getting nominated for a best original screenplay at the academy awards and it's a rom-com 
<laughs> like that's not even a stretch. This is a rom com. I wouldn't call it. It's not a romance movie. It's not a comedy. This is a rom com, and it got like nominated for more, best original screenplay. Yeah, but I feel like it's a lot more poignant than most your typical rom coms. Well, that's the point. But exactly. it doesn't fit into any other category right. except rom com. Yeah, yeah. yeah it, it like really it, it it makes the genre blossom. Like it it, it really yeah. shines a light on it and what makes that genre really good and the the connectivity of it and just like the heart of it. And then also being written and having all of these really talented, funny people involved, you can make it really funny. Mm -hmm. Most rom-coms, unfortunately, are not that funny. <laughs> right. They're romantic. They got that part. But they didn't get the calm. The calm's yeah. not there. The type of comedy that they get into in rom-coms is like Shakespearean comedy. Yeah. yeah. Or it's like the comedy it's like of hijinks. errors yeah. and hijinks. Yeah. Misconnections. She thought out. he was gay. Like, yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. Like, but it's not like ha-ha funny, which is... Yeah, just a different type of comedy. <laughs> most rom-coms take place in like a heightened reality where totally. like you said, hijinks ensue. Right. This <laughs> one's just genuinely funny. Yeah. Like uh, Diana, in your article, you mentioned while um, Kamel's having lunch with oh, uh, I love that scene. Ray Romano. I love that and scene. I'm going to mess it up. Holly Hunter. Yes. Okay. You got um, while he's having, I got you. While he's having lunch, Ray Romano's just like, 9 so... What'd you think of 9-11? We lost a lot of good men that day. And they're both like, Jesus. what? Yeah. And he's like, no, no, no. I was like making a joke, but like, obviously that was bad. That's hysterical. <laughs> like that's a, that's a solidly written joke that yeah. was obviously written by Kamel Nanjiani. Yeah. But if I may, just moments before that joke, Ray Romano is talking about his sandwich. Yeah. And I don't know how recently you guys watched the thing and he's talking about the tuna. And you can tell Ray Romano's making this up. And he talks about, he's like, well, I got tuna. It's okay. I mean, you never want to get tuna when you're not by the water. Well, we are by the water, but it's a lake. There's no tuna in that lake. So I guess it doesn't really matter. I rolled the dice and I guess they, you know, with the sandwich, the dice came up seven or whatever the dice, know, whatever good dice very are. very much like, Ray, Ray Romano. Romano. This is amazing. Yeah. And it, I forgot about that. It's part. exactly what you want from Ray Romano. It's also exactly what you want from like a father figure. Totally. Of <laughs> just stumbling through but not caring. <laughs> I also love that like you you kind of like see them as other originally cuz you're 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 on the side of Kamal Nanjani in the movie. Mm -hmm. Like you're like all right, he's kind of fucking shit up, but you still you're like you like this guy. But then you have like the weird um more serious subplot of like finding out potentially that Ray Romano's character cheated on Holly Hunter. Mm -hmm. And then you're like, oh, wait a minute. These aren't just like side characters. They have their own shit going on. Mm -hmm. They have their mm -hmm. own issues. And I love how like that transition transitions into um, them all drinking and staying over yeah. his apartment. Yeah. <laughs> and that's like some of the best sequences. Like and the, that, yeah, that started from when they went to his stand-up comedy, oh, and the I guy was like, "Go back to Al Qaeda," right? And the Holly Hunter's character's like. Wait, so they have an extra member? That's such a stupid thing to say. Oh, what did she say? She's yeah. like, we've got an ISIS recruiter <laughs> yeah. over here. And he's just like, fuck you. It's like just... Yeah. It's just like basic racist nonsense mm -hmm. that uh, people of color or just like people who are on the lookout for this stuff to like help, you, you see it all the time. Totally. And people yeah. just let it go because especially people of color because they're just like, yo, I'm used to this. Mm -hmm. Well, mm -hmm. plus like a lot of people within the context of like being in New York or being in a city, like there's always the idea of like, if you see somebody getting harassed, you should try and stick up for them. But most people on the subway are just like in the zone. They do not want to get in a fight with someone. Yeah. They do not immediately leap to stick up for somebody mm -hmm. else. There was an episode of Blackish 
um, right after Trump got elected, where a bunch of people are like, how could this have possibly happened? And the main character stays basically silent. And then at some point they accuse him of not caring. Mm. And he has this wonderful rant of, it's not that I don't care. It's that I'm used to it. This has been in front of me my entire life. Right. And it's just new to you. And how dare you suggest otherwise? Yeah. And it puts them in their place. And it's like, that's exactly what we're talking about in this this movie. Yeah, totally. People of color are more likely to shrug something off. Because they've always had to. Right. Yeah. Because you see uh, Kamel's reaction to the um, heckler is just like, yeah, no thanks. Yeah. (laughs) And then like Holly Hunter starts yelling at the guy and Kamel's just like, no, please stop. Like, don't stick up for me. Yeah. Just let it go. It's almost embarrassing. It's like, I've said it before and it's kind of like a bad metaphor, but I think it gets the point across where it's like, if you're a um, quote unquote professional dishwasher, you dishwash for a living. And then at one point you like, like, so you're like dropping plates and stuff like that more often than anybody who's just living at their house dropping right. plates so it's like when you're a dishwasher and you drop a plate and when the plate cracks it's, it's like I, I only fell because of the color of your skin when you do that at uh I'm not following you. It's, a, it's a really stupid joke and i'm not <laughs> landing it but it's like it's the idea it's like you're used to it happening to you more because you're the focal point for that hate to go into white people mainly and especially men too it's like you get that whole locker room talk nonsense where it's like when the the colored friend isn't around, mm. like they'll go like, and you're like, no, dude, you shouldn't do that. Like you should, if you wouldn't say it when they're around, like don't, that's not cool. Right. And it's uh, people of color and any minority at all in the world, they're used to it because it happens to them all the time. And so Kamal's character is like, can we just move past this? I'm up here trying to do this. I don't want to ruin this show. I'm I'm trying to get into this Canadian stand-up festival thing. Like, can we just move past? And Holly Hunter, it's like the first moment where we see her character is just, she's so pissed off from her predicament. Yeah. And she's not going to let some douchebag get away with that. And like, I forget what she calls him, like some frat boy like frat boy hat wearing douchebag yeah, is perfect. She does. The way they costume it's that great. character too oh, yeah. is perfect. <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right. So I think this is actually a really good time to take a quick break. And uh, when we come back, we will continue talking about the big sick and the fact that Helen Hunt is not in it. <laughs> Unless you guys think we already covered that. I could I talk about that yeah, for a couple more minutes. make sure the, the listeners yeah. are clear that Helen Hunt is not <laughs> in, the, in this In the movie. second half, could we imagine what it would be like if she was in it? And then Ooh. explain why it wasn't a good choice. Yeah, like this half, sounds like half. a second part episode. Like, <laughs> let's maybe take a, a couple weeks choice. to think about that. <laughs> All right, we'll be right back. Hello. Welcome to another episode of it's Fitz, where Story Screen's film laureate, Brian Robert Fitzgibbons, speaks on a film. Today, Fitz will discuss the 1997 James Cameron film, Titanic. Oh, Titanic. Easy one. <laughs> like, this is a... <laughs> So once again, my boy Leo's in there, and then... Kate Winslet. It's a James Cameron film. It's about a ship. It's about a. It's actually kind of true. 
kind of made up. Billy Zane's in it. I hate that motherfucker. For some reason, he didn't do anything to me, but he sucks. And, um... <laughs> yeah, so... It's a nice story. <laughs> no, it's not. Um... No, people always bring up Titanic. It's weird. Like, a lot of people love that movie, and I don't hate it. That shit is crazy. Um, I'm trying to think about the end scene. Like, why didn't... Like, this is... Like, recently somebody brought this up, and I don't want to talk about it. But, like, why did Jack have to perish? You know? There was plenty of room. Kate Winslet wasn't that fat. This has been another episode of It's Fits. And welcome back. So, continuing the conversation of the big sick, uh, yeah, so Joe, Alex, you, yeah, you guys wanted to talk about uh, the good stuff. So, I was just imagining if... Uh, Helen Hunt was to yell at this heckler like it would be the movie would have been so is, it, is that a joke? <laughs> that is point? a joke. Yeah. Okay, good. I need to make sure. Okay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but no, upstairs we um, on the break talked a little bit about Kamel's brother and I wanted to talk about the scene where Kamel's doing his one man show and the brother's there in a disguise because at this point his family was like, okay, we're not talking to you anymore. Right. But there's still that familial bond where you're like, well, you're my brother. I'm going to go see your one-man show. He's so really was, his like, best really friend. Yeah, yeah. I, love, I love the brother. Um, I haven't seen him in anything else. But yeah, he looked like vaguely familiar, he does but I look couldn't familiar. like place That's my finger. Because we're all racist. Yeah. Ah! <laughs> I was I... going to say, I was like, <laughs> he does look familiar. But I don't but, think it's for the reasons we want yeah. to talk about that. Well, I mean, because, like, again, like, uh, Southeast Asian males in American cinema is uh, highly underrepresented. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So when you do get it, like, it's usually one or the other. It's usually there's oh, one person. But wait. one Wait, hold on. One actor that you get in all the movies when you need somebody that looks and acts like that. Or it's just like this kind of throwaway side character in the eyes of like the casting where they're just like, oh, just get somebody that looks the part. And then they all just kind of start bleeding together because you don't see enough of them. Like, we know who Tom Cruise is just because he's in like three movies a year. Yeah, right. Which is the exaggeration. But like with stuff like that. And I really do love his character in that, like talking to him about. Because the whole one-man show is about Pakistan. Yeah. yeah. And it, it, he's like the prime audience for that. We've seen how his other friends have reacted to it, which Bo Burnham has the great line of like, he's like, it was really good. It was crazy, man. Like halfway through, I realized like, you're from Pakistan. Yeah. Oh, you know, gosh. it's like a really good, like fun jab at a friend. Yeah. And then to see like his brother, probably the closest person he has in his life, who's also from Pakistan, be like, yeah, it was it was good, <laughs> but sure, not, yeah, but not great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So the actor Adil Akhtar, I could be pronouncing this wrong. I think I know what I remember him from. He's in the Night Manager, that miniseries. Yes, he's one of like the agents mm-hmm. um, behind the scenes. I forget his Have character you guys name. Seen the, but uh, the Night it's Manager? very good. Yeah. It's really, really good if you get really a chance cool. to check yeah. it out. But uh, I think that's the Tom, only other Tom, thing I've seen him in. Is so. Tom Hiddleston? Yeah, it's Tom Was Hiddleston's the main character. Really, really cool, like, kind of spy. Did this air on thing. AMC? 
Was it AMC? It might have originally, it, and then you could watch it through Amazon. It with Hugh after. Lo- with Hugh Laurie, the yeah. dude that played. Yeah, it's that. It's like show. based on the John LeCarre books. Series. It's, it's very good it if you get a chance so to check good. it out. Yeah, it's, it's way better than I expected. Yeah, really good. But, but he, he's a small character in that, but enough so that you start to be like, oh, mm-hmm. you know. <laughs> That's oh, also no, got. It sounds that. like he's gonna die. Yeah. You gotta watch and find out. I am glad that we talked about the one man show because in the first half we talked about a stand-up and we didn't address the fact that he has a one-man show and it is a horrible show right he's working he's, on it he's working on it and the uh girlfriend emily does give him feedback and it's not feedback he wants to hear but it's feedback that he uses and we get to see just as much as we get to see the progression of the stand-up we see the progression of his one-man show where she's like it has a lot of pakistan in it it doesn't have a lot of you in it. Right. And like all of the changes that he puts into this one man shower, instead of just talking about facts, let's yeah. talk stories. Let's hear what it's like growing up in Pakistan, mm-hmm. not just the temperature, but the actual feelings behind it. And you get this sense of the relationship that they have with each other is they help each other and they make each other better. And they are willing to criticize each other if it's for the sake of art. Right. Uh, kind of realizing that later in his relationship with her, like not responding to that positively pre coma, mm-hmm. post coma is more like actually taking that advice and working it in and then seeing them kind of fall back in love, which is cool. We should mention too for our listeners who are probably unfamiliar, as opposed to um, uh, Alex and Joe, your listeners, uh, that you guys have your your toes dipped in the in the improv comedy scene oh yes. yeah i mentioned and that this before is like thing. you did mention that before yeah oh, well i don't know helen hunt i don't know let me have some of your whiskey yeah take some of mine um and uh that i think that's really fun too like because a movie like this or a movie like um uh like both mike berbiglia movies mm-hmm. um are all two all two of them <laughs> uh hopefully there's a third one on the way because the guy makes real good movies mm-hmm. uh really speak to that kind of like stand up comedy has has really become this thing in the past like uh 6 7 years where every now and then we'll get a movie about it because it really is like a great metaphor for the struggle to like follow your dreams like you guys have talked about and um and like the practicality of reality and it's like yeah the fact not that his everybody... character is an uber driver yeah anybody anybody <laughs> who wants like, oh, to be yeah, that's uh, legit anybody who wants to be a stand-up comedian who wants to be in an improv troupe just like the mentality that you have to have with that like you want to make people laugh and you think you're funny and you want to have fun doing a job you want that person to succeed mm-hmm. but because there's so many people trying to do it all the time not everybody is going to reach the level of success that they think that is at the end of the tunnel exactly yeah. and that that this is kamal's uh story in this where it's like like i don't kamal nanjiani as a person where was when was your first introduction to him like when did you first learn about come out was it like through his stand up was it through silicon valley his podcast probably this movie Probably this movie. I would say Silicon Valley more so, but I had heard his voice before, so I think maybe on some podcasts too. Mm-hmm. Um, Eugene Merman, who's the oh, voice of Gene yeah. uh, on Bob's Burgers, he does a stand-up special, and at one point he's like recreating a situation he had with Delta Airlines, and he's like, he recorded um, 
conversations on the phone that he had with like their customer service, but he wasn't allowed to just play the messages. So he had other comedians read them. Oh, and Kamal was one of that's awesome. the readers. And I forget when I saw his face, but I remember going, his voice is familiar. Like, right. like you did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I was like, oh my gosh, he's the guy that um, did like the uh, audio play, quote unquote, with Eugene Merman. So that was yeah. my first uh, mm-hmm. exposure to him. The first time I really kind of got on board with him was uh, he has one of the best podcasts of all time called The X-Files Files, <laughs> yeah. where he talked about every X-Files episode I forgot in that chronological he did that. order with different guests. <laughs> I remember when you were listening to that. Sometimes his wife is on it as well. <laughs> and it's really, really, it's such a fun podcast because they just like I gotta listen to that. let loose and talk about 40 minutes of TV from 1997 <laughs> and he he understands how absolutely ridiculous it is i love x-files but he's also like a huge x-files fan right yeah. and i can get that it's like i'm i'm a cool x-files fan like i'm like yeah it's cool yeah. okay. but like i could talk if you wanted to talk about like star trek the next generation episode by episode I'd be like, oh, nothing has gotten me harder than that ever. Like, that, sounds like, <laughs> that, sounds like, that sounds like the greatest thing in the world. It's not something I need and to that's, know. And that's <laughs> great that they include now you do. that. That's and great. everybody does. <laughs> Wait, you think everyone listens to this? Everyone listens to this. Oh, man. We have lower expectations Pat for Pat yourself podcast. on the back. <laughs> so, Helen Hunt, if you dream. ever needed to know what made Mike harder than ever, it was... That. That's what's Mad really about un- you. That's what's really unfortunate, too, is that Helen Hunt is one of our listeners. And yeah. she's probably going to be very upset about <laughs> You're going to be getting some very... Uh, I love the fact that they included that detail within the movie because one of the girls who's trying to become a candidate for the marriage is like, I watched X Files for you. Oh it's yeah, not even a good show. <laughs> oh, and she I love also that. Has I forgot X-Files about that ringtone. So, so good. that must be like a great nod to anyone who knows his actual like podcast. Absolutely, yeah, that's totally what that is. And the girl that like presents that was like for your files. Yo, X Files. Uh, <laughs> the truth is out there. Like that actress, her performance in that little tiny scene that she's given is so funny. She's got the comedic timing of just like a couple lines is perfect. It is. And also too, like while we're on this, like the mom, mm. the Kamel's mom mm-hmm. is is so good because you don't hate her, mm-hmm. and she does things that make you, as an audience member who's like siding with Kamel and his story, and we're following him. You should kind of be like, well, that's really fucked up that she's doing that. Why is she doing that? But they give her character enough service and enough respect throughout the movie that when she finally does say, you're not my son, after he confesses to her, you're like, I get where she's coming mm-hmm. from. Like I under, And I think that's heavily because Kamal is, as a writer, is portraying his parents in this way and he doesn't want to disrespect them. Where well, it's very upsetting. That's the opposite yeah. of John Leguizamo. John Leguizamo got sued by his father. Really? Because of the way that he was represented wow, in his Wow, I didn't know that. Shows. Mm-hmm. Oh. Yeah. Which kind that. of aligned with how he was represented in his yeah, one exactly. shows. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he kind of proved the point there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and no, I, do, I love the parents. In I this. love the parents. Like yeah. the mom in particular, like she's got a very like uh, like sensitive edge and like graceful comedic timing to her. And the father is also like a very well-known actor in um, Pakistan and India. Uh, He's like a Bollywood guy. Is he really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. He's like a Bollywood oh, guy. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. I thought he was just like... They, cause I He's watched, an Indian actor. I watched the behind the scenes thing and they were talking about like... Kamal said like, it would be my dream to get this actor to play my, my dad. And things just aligned correctly oh, where wow. they were able to get him. 
and fly him on over to do it. And it was just like, this is like perfect. And he's got, he's got some delivery too in this that is Kamel Nanjiani says in some interviews and on the commentary that he's like, when you're, when you're acting opposite somebody like, like the actor, did you look up the actor's name that plays his father? Uh, I'm going to mispronounce it incorrectly. I'll mispronounce it. I mean, I will pronounce it incorrectly. Uh, looks like it's uh, Anupam Kerr. That's pretty good. Probably. That's pretty good. Um, and Holly Hunter. He's like, when you're acting with people like that, you're yeah. not nervous. And you're you're more like excited because you're not nervous that you're not going to be up to their level. It's that their level of energy is going to surge into you and it's going to make you yeah, a better Bring some stuff actor. out of you. They yeah. mentioned... They mentioned that in uh, in Walking Dead back when it was good in the first couple of seasons. <laughs> the character who plays Rick Grimes, um, he Andrew always... Lincoln. Yeah, Andrew Lincoln. There we go. No, he, I ha- love Actually. I have it. It's in my head. <laughs> love Actually. <laughs> it's a great movie. To me, yes. you he, are perfect. He was on set more often than he had to be because he loved just the atmosphere and seeing the progress. And everyone felt like they were performing better whenever he was present. Rather than being intimidated by him. That's like he cool. was so supportive. That's awesome. He seemed like the kind of guy that would be like that. I mean, the dude struck gold but walking dead and he can leave anytime he wants. He's That's kinda like to. the he's going to now, but yeah. like it's like eight years I'd say it's like four years after the fact where you're like, he can leave anytime he wants. Yeah. <laughs> That's kind of the point of the show. <laughs> People sign up to be on The Walking Dead and they're like, So how long do I have to be on? And they're yeah. like, Well, I mean six episodes or uh, mm-hmm. uh two seasons whatever you want we can we can kill you off anytime we want we do it all the time <laughs> um which i will also contest that the walking dead started out strong got a little weak but i feel like uh seasons uh 4 5 and 4 and 5 are really strong the the nomadic seasons where like they're finally kicked out of the prison and they're walking around they like the the cannibal place what's the yeah. uh, term, terminus Terminus. The issue that is like the best arc in that show. It's so much fun to watch. I agree that my biggest issue isn't the overarching plot. It's how much filler it has in between. Each it has thing. to because they're just like we don't know what we're doing. <laughs> they're making it up as they go along. It's like Lost all over again. Like yeah. we can tell you guys are making this up. <laughs> we're like, oh, season five is going to be all about um, time travel. You haven't talked about time travel at all in this whole show. Well, it's a part of the show now, so. We'll make it make sense. Like, <laughs> you guys are making this up, but I like it. Um, but yeah, the his parents are great. His brother's great. I think all of the... Um, I was touching on this before about how like the movie is presenting uh, Southeastern males in a different light than they're usually being shown as really? like asexual and kind of stuff. And uh southeastern females are usually presented in this very almost like kind of like a erotic way where they're they're Can kind I interject of interject for a sec. Oh, absolutely go. So I like the fact that you know and I've seen all master of none as well but like I like the fact that his character is a little bit of a dick. Mm-hmm. Like sure. in reality he's a real person, he's flawed, he's not nice to every girl he dates including Zoe Kazan's character, his future wife. And then, like you said, bringing up the aspect of all these females, you know, uh, arranged perspective 
spouses. I don't mm-hmm. know what to call them. They're candidates not, you know, is what candidates. Them, candidates. But I think it's offensive if I do. It that, so is, I but I think that it's doing, supposed yeah. to be offensive in that sense because it's it is. It's kind of not a fun thing. They're like trading cards in his shoebox, mm-hmm. and well, this is like. Is that is that like yeah? This is, but I like the, the idea that you know you said that they really are fleshed out because they are kind of like well they're not really fleshed out until the last one and right. I think that they did that on purpose where it's like they're kind of used like in that same way because I think that's perfect for what Kamal was doing and why it's in us as a writer why it's why they're in a cigar box the pictures with the information on the they're back kind of throwaways like for car- him trading cards yeah. and this is the most controversial thing that I want to talk about on on the episode uh which is the idea of representation and the idea of cultural differences when it comes to marriage and just how we treat religion and stuff like that the the outlook that his parents have in this in my opinion and i'm gonna i'm gonna be blunt about it and we can talk about it and expand on it more is based in some uh pretty serious like racist stuff now, because it's a religion... How so? Well, because like their whole idea is like you can't marry anybody other than a Pakistani woman, especially not a white woman, is mainly grown from the fact in real life that white women are perceived to be these kind of like lustful, sexful... Succubuses. Uh, like, you know, succubuses. <laughs> and, like they, and like that's what they believe in the culture and the religion that is the foundation of his family's background. Mm. Mm-hmm. And... It's 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 unfortunate because it's one of these things where it's like that is so heavily just like not the way again, like and this is I don't I don't want to sound racist, but it's like that is not the way things should be, which sounds racist because like everybody's allowed to think whatever they want. But when you start judging people based on their, you know, their their, their the color of their beliefs. skin and their <laughs> cultural beliefs. It, it starts becoming that that twist of a dime. And that's Kamal's character and him as a person probably mm-hmm. as an immigrant coming to America and becoming like a first generation kind of thing. He's really at odds with that. And that's the whole point behind, well, why did you bring me to America if you wanted me to live a Muslim life? Like, Well, why yeah, you... that's the argument yeah. in the film. For right. Sure. Yeah. And I think that them utilizing, you know, three or four uh, uh, Southeast Asian females as like his candidates, as his trading cards, and then ending on one that is like, no, dude, I'm just, I understand where you're coming from, but like, you can't do this to people. Right. I'm a person. Yeah. And like, just because I believe this and I'm down with doing this doesn't mean that I'm less than you or right. like, or worthy of like, or not worthy of like being honest with. Like, you didn't have to do this. Like, you're wasting my time. I'm right. looking for a husband in the way that I want to. Right. Your mm-hmm. shit is your shit. You should have been right up front with me about this yep. and you should just tell your family. Well, yeah, exactly and, that. Yeah. It's a kind of the idea of like, what do you guys think? Like, like the idea of him accepting himself and actually being honest mm-hmm. about it. Well, I loved in the movie that he defends his parents' views to Emily Totally. But then defends Emily's views to his parents. So then yeah. it goes back to like those at odds, conflicting experiences of with it, him himself. With himself. Yeah. And it does go back to this idea of like that that culture could be perceived as as racist or maybe like misogynistic as well. Mm-hmm. Like all of the girls are lining up 
to see if the husband will say yes. And you never right. see men lining up to see if a girl will say yes to it's them as true. their husband. Right. Right. And again, like backing up the fact like this is prevalent in a lot of religions and cultures. It's mm-hmm. like this is the same thing with like Christianity and, and, and gays. Absolutely. This is the exact same thing. It's like it is written in our thing that you're not supposed to do that. And if you are homosexual, you are bad. You are sinful. You are against God. That kind of stuff. And it's like, no, dude, that's not that's not right. Mm-hmm. And some people live their lives following these religions, and they they cherry pick. They go, these are the things that make this religion very important to me. There's some really weird shit in there because the religion was made like three thousand years ago, <laughs> and they understand it and they can be respectful. It's when you start to get to like, dude, you're in 21st century like first world shit right here, whether it's America or Europe or somewhere else that's different from where your religion is based. Right. And it's understanding. It's like, there has to be a meeting ground in this because there's cultures all over the place and it can't just be yours. Yeah. Yeah. We just um, recorded an episode about John Mulaney and he has a joke where um, basically his wife is criticizing the Catholic church and he's like, I'll talk shit about the Catholic church. But then if someone else does it, you're not allowed to do that. It's like right. talking so, badly about your own family, yeah, but so, you don't yeah. want someone else to criticize your exactly. family. Exactly. So I think yeah. it's interesting, like how Alex, you brought up, um, Kamel doesn't like, you know, the sort of Pakistani lifestyle that his parents are still wanting him to live and like the arranged marriage things. But as soon as Emily's like, this is crazy. He's like, um, no, you don't get to say that it's crazy. Right. Yeah. And he has that line of like, do you know what they call arranged marriages in Pakistan? Marriage. Marriage. Yeah. And that's it. Like that really sums up that feeling of you think we're weird because we're here. Totally. <laughs> but if you were there, you'd be the weird right, one. Right. You'd be the And I'm there. tired of feeling like the weird one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Is it in this movie? It might be during their fight where, um, but this might be from something else, where she's basically like, arranged marriage is is weird and he's like the u.s divorce rate is 50 percent that's weird like to my culture oh right is that is that in the movie or is that that in the big sick i'm not sure that that's familiar i definitely know i've definitely heard that in something but i don't i can't remember if it's in the big sick or not it doesn't sound familiar it doesn't sound familiar to me either and i just watched it today so i'm like i feel like that would pop out yeah i snuck it in real quick i snuck it in real quick i'm gonna watch it again i should have watched it a couple days ago so i could take notes on it i mean i'm gonna watch it again now that we have talked about it but yeah um but oh, yeah. so we're we're spending a lot of time talking about the family and the cultural aspect of it. I was wondering if maybe we could talk a little bit about, um, you know, the other of Emily's side of it. Maybe like how she's not able to understand from that why she got so upset about it, and then the the like faux happy ending. You kind of think after he bonds with her parents, mm-hmm. everything's going to work out in the end, mm-hmm. and it doesn't quite. Right. And that makes it a little bit more real. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's not a, a sad ending per se. It's kind of a hopeful one still. It's a really good ending too. And having watched it just a couple hours ago too, I love the fact that the last frame of the movie before they cut to black, they're cutting between Emily and Kamel when she shows up at the end. Mm-hmm. She shows up at they the show. They do not cut to black from Kamel. They cut to black from Emily. Right. Because the last part of the movie the whole movie is pretty much about Kamel coming to terms with shit and by the end of the movie it's finally down to now Emily 
needs to come to terms with shit. Well, is he, she right? going to yeah. learn the is she going to not necessarily learn the lessons that Kamal learned, but well, learn to understand where he's coming mm-hmm. from and what he's saying. And that's why it ends on her smiling and cuts to black and that's the credits. It's also because the end of the people. movie is hers. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Forgiveness the, it's, yeah. it's kind of a way of saying, okay, it's her choice now. Because totally. Kamel's yeah. on board essentially, so now like, it's up maybe, to Emily. He, he maybe respected he's... she doesn't want to do it, and yeah. he's like, "Well, I'm going to New York then. Yeah, I'll see you later." And he leaves, mm-hmm. and she—it's up to her, and she shows up there, and she's like, "I'm here for you. I thought about it, and this is what I want to do." Yeah, and yeah. thanks for respecting my choice previously. Exactly. Right. And, yeah. But definitely from Emily's side, and from every point of view, like every character is justified in how they're reacting, and Emily has that similar one that one of the candidates had of you're wasting my time totally not like not only am i angry but i'm angry over something that i don't understand too well right and that um manifests into your culture is weird and -hmm. i think that happens to a lot of us of if we're pinned against the wall about something and we don't understand what it's about. We're just going to get angry instead. Yeah. Um, you kind of other the other person. Exactly. And so you just call them out on, well, since it doesn't make sense to me, it doesn't make sense to anyone. You're right. weird. Right. Well, and Emily, as a specific character, uh, it, is... She's great. Well, like, as her character, like, she, she's uh, been married. Like, she married a college sweetheart and ended in, like, terrible divorce. Mm-hmm. So she's looking at the relationship with Kamel. It's like... I don't want to get into something where I'm like, she's like, I'm in love with you. I could probably spend the rest of my life with you before she finds out about the trading card stuff. Right. And um, I like that we're calling it that. Like, I, I think <laughs> we're it's all kind of, I mean, think it's okay. It's kind of what it is. It's presented as that in like a comedic uh, yeah. fashion. But uh, she's like hesitant. And that's a thing that's respected from the fact that Emily V. Gordon herself helped Mm -hmm. write it and you get more of like when she's about to be put into the coma that shot that's like 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 stanley kubrick where the camera is attached to the 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 dolly that she's being moved around on the gurney Mm -hmm. and she's like what's happening what's going on and they're bringing Mm -hmm. there and kamal's just like it's gonna be okay and he literally just he lied that he was her husband and signed a piece of paper that puts her into a coma right and she has no right or say in it at all (laughs) Yeah, it's I, very scary, and that is one hundred percent the fact that Emily was also writing the script with him. That's yeah. her point of view. I was scared. I absolutely love that scene where after they broke up, and then the doctor's like, "Are you her husband? We need a family member to sign these." No, I'm not. We should call her parents. We need you to sign this now. She's are going you, to die. Are if we you don't do her that. husband? Yeah. Like, no, I'm not. Are you her husband? And he's like. <laughs> Uh, yeah okay i'll sign it mm-hmm. and like him just having to be like well what what wishes do i honor of her like that we're broken up or that she'll probably die if i don't sign this yeah. exactly yeah. and there's also that burden that is being put into because if she gets into a coma and then dies in that coma mm-hmm. it will always feel like his fault totally. even though she yeah. would have died or vice it. versa if she died and he didn't put her into the coma he'd still feel bad so exactly. at this point mm-hmm. this is what creates the the change in his character over the next couple of weeks as he's introduced to uh, her parents and he forms a bond with them, which is really good too. talking about the, if we were going to talk about like where his parents are coming from, her parents, have you guys ever seen the birdcage? 
Yes. I love the Robin it. Williams. Oh uh, man, yeah. that's one of my faves. Yeah. I love it. The the crux of the birdcage is like we're going to deal with conservative Republican mentality towards uh the homosexual community. And it's like Gene Hackman's character, like the the, the father of the bride, mm-hmm. the parents of the bride are like these kind of right wing politicians. And now they're going to have to be introduced to this world of the gays <laughs> and and have to like come to understand like they're people too and they are 100% worthy this one is a more updated the big sick is an updated version of that where it's where there are liberals like emily's parents are they seem like pretty with it mm-hmm. as far as like no we're, we're like more on like the liberal side of everything if you want to call it that and like the 9-11 thing <laughs> That's Ray Romano. That's him trying to like break the ice. He's like, so I want to talk about this. It's like the well-intentioned like supporters of right. people of color or um, homosexuals, like not really understanding how to broach the subject. Uh-huh. It's like in Get Out when the dad's like, you know, I would have voted for Obama three times if I could. Absolutely. Ah! Until until it turns Casual into that they racism. are maniacal. Yeah. yeah, they are maniacal. Right. People. It turns out he's actually you know. I love the tweet about that where they're like, if if Get Out the movie existed in the Get Out universe, they would say that they loved that movie. Totally. (laughs) (laughs) And Get Out too is like a great like I think we mentioned it before. Like the 2017 was not only filled with great films, it was filmed with it was filled with movies of like immense representation like across the line. We got Call Me by Your Name. We got Lady Bird. We got Get Out. We got The Big Sick. Like these are we got Dunkirk. We even have Black Panther. White white young men need representation too. Still white young pop stars like Aristotle finally needed their big break. He's so good. Oh no, I'm not saying. No, I know. I like how high my voice just got. Good, actually. My life. Yeah, it was felt like. Have you got? You guys have seen. Obviously, you've seen Get Out because you're human beings. Yes, everybody on the planet saw Get Out last year. I'm gonna tell you really quickly. I don't rewatch movies, except for Perks of Being a Wallflower and Get Out. So is it okay those are valid choices or animated films okay (laughs) have you seen John Wick yes you don't you you don't rewatch John Wick not with you I don't rewatch John Wick because I don't like puppies the puppy dies I know I don't want to watch that again either but you know what's better than puppies dying all of the people remotely even associated (laughs) with the dude that killed the puppy dying oh that's true at the hands of Keanu Reeves that's very true Really good Keanu. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, we're getting to the end right now. Did anybody else have anything else they wanted to say about The Big Sick in sense of just, like, how good of a goddamn movie it is or just, like, what it means culturally, <laughs> representatively? Anything? I think, yeah, culturally, we need to get more Ray Romano out there. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's not what I thought you were going to say. Uh, sorry, volume. My laugh just went loud. Yeah, it's fine. Um, I will say, Mike, like, you, you brought up all these you Get Out, Big Sick. Um Coco, uh, Black Panther. Well, Black Panther was Black Panther was twenty eighteen, but, but yeah. very good. Yeah, I yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, Love Simon. I don't know if that was twenty seventeen. That That's this year. That was yeah. this year. Okay. Um, but it's good that they're continuing the trend. Absolutely. Yeah, we're we are moving towards something that's yeah, great. We're getting lead characters uh, in movies where you know in the past they would have been like, oh. You can't be the lead. Yeah. You can be the friend or the side character. You can't be the lead. The token character, yeah. And And it's time. Yeah. And their character isn't 
okay, you're gay, and that's, like, your struggle. It is, you are struggling with real-life stuff. Also, the struggles that come with, you know, homosexuality, um, being an immigrant, being Pakistani, being black, you know. Um, totally. All these different things. So I think we still have a long way to go, but it's great that we're um, sort of kind of at the beginning of, like, this march. Mm-hmm. And that's a thing like, you know, when you when you meet people who are homophobic or racist or sexist, like like you're like, how can you what's behind this? Why are mm-hmm. you like that? And I honestly feel like most of it is it's it's the it's the lack of confidence in, in the idea that fear. they are presented yeah. with this idea that as hard as their life is, because it's their life, it's their story. They're presented with the idea, especially as like straight white men mm-hmm. they're presented with the idea that there is this whole other thing going on where all of the things that are hard in your life are hard in their lives plus all of this other stuff they're a woman they're black they're gay i mean that's like if if being a straight white male is like the like the easiest version that's yeah. like mm-hmm. easy mode in a video game yeah. being, being like a gay <laughs> what is it Wanda Sykes. Wanda Sykes. Yeah, yeah yeah being a gay black female has to be the hardest thing in the world yeah. like that that's extra extra hard difficulty mm-hmm. in a video <laughs> yeah. game yeah and then if you beat that you unlock the mode where you're also muslim <laughs> or a zombie or a zombie yeah. or a zombie yeah but i and i think that that's where like the anger comes from because anger comes from fear as diana said and it's it's because they're afraid to admit the fact that there is there is a sense of privilege in their gender or mm-hmm. in their race or in their sexuality mm-hmm. and that because of that privilege they have had things easier but their life has been hard everybody's life is hard they have to get their heart broken. They got to get fired from jobs. They have to like really have some really bad days and have things not work out. And then to add on the fact that it's like, yeah, but like these people, like every single day when they step outside their door, they're afraid that something's going to happen because culture has just been built around the fact that it's kind of acceptable to, to do that. There is that, but there's also the flip side of, okay, you know, that is, that does factor into this movie, like within the the heckler and um, him being defended by Emily's parents. But like just the fact of having people of other cultures, backgrounds, you know, races, sexes, just do the normal stuff. Mm-hmm. Just like experience the normal struggles of getting your heart broken, showing that that's normal, like having teenage love Simon yeah. be the main heartthrob who's sad and then has to talk to his parents and, you know, whether or not he ends up with a love interest, having that be the norm. Those are like the new things that I'm like, yeah, you know, because it it connects that normative nature of like the, the people that might not like these people because they're not exposed to them. They're shown Muslims as being terrorists and they're shown gay people as being like, they want to turn straight people into gay people, which means there's less people I can have sex with. Like, (laughs) like it's like really weird. Like it it comes from a very odd place. And I think you're totally correct. Correct. Diana. And like, it comes from fear. It turns into anger. And that anger is just so easily backed up by other people, especially because of the internet. Yeah. Well, you need more you need more representation for people to start seeing that be widely accepted. Absolutely. For like Absolutely. people that are our age or even younger to like be able to see 
more women, more races, more sexualities be the norm, be the, the main character, that they have somebody to identify with, that when they're freaked out, they can watch this movie and they feel better about it because there's somebody like them instead of it just being like, I aspire to be this white male love story or you know i think the most important part of this representation isn't just for people to shed a new light on cultural differences but also people to see themselves represented and Mm -hmm. say hey that colombian isn't just a drug dealer in movies totally it's not always about um those narcos characters and it's not always this negativity because if you tell a child something often enough they'll start believing it about themselves yes and so that representation all by itself is enough to let a child know like i can be more than what media thinks as joe said the ending of black panther is absolutely that is Mm -hmm. the ending of black panther is like a young black child looking up at um T'Challa and being like, who are you? And he just smiles at him when we cut to black because he doesn't have to tell him that he's, I'm T'Challa, King of Wakanda, or I'm Black Panther. It's, I am possibility. I am yeah. what you can be. I am like the, the, the best version of this world that we have. Mm-hmm. And it's like last year, my, my, th- my three top favorite movies last year, the main characters were a, an enslaved non-human um, a gay teenager and an alcoholic asshole uh, female. And it's I didn't pick those because like I have an agenda where I want to pick things like that. Those are the movies that spoke to me the most because I'm like, this is new. Right. Like Baby Driver's right around there too. But I'm just like, oh, I've seen movies like Baby Driver before. It's still a really fun movie. But those movies like Call Me By Your Name, Colossal, and Blade Runner 2049, those are just like really special movies because they're pushing shit. In the sense of, like, I haven't really seen that much like this before. It's the first of. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Similar to, like, what Alex was saying and how you brought up uh, that ending of Black Panther, I saw this really nice little um, comic where it was uh, a little girl dressed up as uh, Wonder Woman and a little boy dressed up as uh, Superman, and they were both white. And then there was this little black kid, like, sitting by himself. And then uh, Black Panther walks up and he's like, hey, man, like... Get in there. And then the kid runs in with like a Black Panther mask. And it really is important to have representation. Yeah. So the kid can see, oh, this superhero looks like me. Yeah. Yeah. And as you look at a movie like Justice League and you're just like, the one black guy in there is Cyborg. Yeah. Maybe 50% of people know who Cyborg is. Like, that's the whole thing. It's like Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman, even the fucking Flash, even Aquaman are pushed out into the public zeitgeist more than Mm -hmm. Cyborg. I, uh, talking about Justice League, often forgot that Cyborg was in the movie. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Which, have you guys seen Justice League? I have, yeah. Uh, so that about wraps up this episode yeah. of Overdrinkers. Um, thank you guys so much for joining me. Uh, Thanks for uh, having us. Hey, Alex, having Joe, us. you guys have an, a tremendously entertaining podcast, and I want to have you. you guys on again. And uh, who's the other guy that's on a lot of your episodes? I know he's not a host, but he's kind of like your go-to friend. He's friend, Dan Mowat. Dan Mowat? <laughs> Two bald I'd, men and Dan. Yeah, I'd <laughs> and re- friend. I'd really like to get Dan on a podcast too because I really enjoy like what he talks about on the show. And to our listeners too, like definitely check out Two Bald Men and Friend podcast. It's a lot of fun. Their episodes are 
way shorter than us. They respect <laughs> your time way more than we do. Back in the oldie times, yeah, you, Story Screen Presents used to be about an hour each. For like the first five episodes. Oh, man. Then we introduced alcohol into it. And it's like, well, now we can just talk about whatever we want. And of course, Diana, the lovely Diana, thank you so much for joining me. <laughs> All right. You look beautiful tonight. Thanks. As I rub my allergy eyes. Oh, well. <laughs> it, it's spring going into summer. It's going to happen. <laughs> and uh, to all you guys out there, thank you so much for listening. Remember, you can find a bunch of articles, reviews, and more podcasts and stuff on storyscreenbeacon.com. Remember to follow us on Instagram at story, story underscore screen underscore beacon. beacon. I need to memorize that. You got to memorize that. Story and uh, you can also find us on Twitter at story underscore screen. And uh, make sure you go on over to our uh, website. Check about uh, check out our store. It's going to be updated pretty soon. We're going to be having some pretty cool stuff on there. New Not merch. just t-shirts. It's going to be real cool. New merch. And also big thanks to Von Holt for our music as always. And uh, yeah, if you haven't seen The Big Sick and you just listened to this, you're a maniac. So definitely go watch The Big Sick. <laughs> and if you have seen The Big Sick before and then you listen to this, congratulations. You know more about the movie. Good for you. And uh, without further ado, uh, that's it. All right, bye. Bye, guys. Bye, Helen Hunt. Oh, no. (laughs) Bye, Helen. I'm so sorry. I'll see you on Tuesday. I'll text you. Oh. to answer your question from before i very much am loving my my light blue jeans (laughs) it's controversial choice but yeah they're fun they don't go with everything but if you can throw an outfit together they're they're a good choice what's wrong with light blue jeans Uh, they're kind of daddish you're you're your dad jeans and you're wearing a mustache and i I already have a dad i love dressing like a dad i already have a dad that has a mustache and wears light jeans i'm maturing i'm growing a mustache i'm wearing light blue jeans i remember you're not the the man i met i remember ramona told me that she uh ran into you at bank square and she was like and he has like this big mustache and i was like fuck yeah (laughs) (laughs) oh boy my mustache is turning heads okay it's not as big as it was before this is round two it's It's like a a Shyamalan twist for me people were like never would have seen that coming that's uh bruce willis was dead except you did